I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the bug that splatters across the windshield of crime. I am Darkwing Duck, and I'm listening to the Canned Air Podcast. How about you? And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I am Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, the author of Social Media is Bullshit, and uh, here to talk about his comic Vengeance Nevada, we welcome a lot of titles for this gentleman, author, speaker, comedian, and mall Santa, BJ Mendelson. Thanks so much for being with us, BJ. Hey, thanks. Uh, you're the mall Santa thing is the thing I'm most proud of. Understandably, of course, that's why you're here. If you get a reaction out of small children, uh, particularly like if they take the L symbol and put it over their forehead when you come out to be their Santa, you know that you've succeeded in life. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be an experience. That'd be an experience for sure. But I'm anxious to uh, touch on that more a little bit later. But before we do that, we're going to be jumping into the retro roundtable and doing our uh, look back into pop culture history once more. And what we're talking about, we'll let Jake explain here shortly. Then after that, we're going to swing open the door to the comic vault. What do we have, gentlemen? I've got a webcomic by the name of Moonslayer. Ooh, okay. Jack, what about you? Romantically Apocalyptic. Those both sound awesome. <laughs> yeah. They really do. They really do. Really stop hard at the title. <laughs> so a few of the things we'll be talking about there, and then we're just going to turn our full attention over to BJ and talk Vengeance Nevada. But before we do that, Jake. Check it out, guys. We're all over the place. You can find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And also we're on Patreon. Hey, that's important. That's very important. Because yeah. if you like what we do, feel free to throw a couple bucks a month our way. Uh, hit that $5 mark and you have access to the special Founders Club Patreon-only podcast. That's right. Now five episodes available uh, of that show. Five and counting. A new episode every month. Not to mention our uh, Candare Fantasy Fight album is up uh, there, too. Yeah. I always seem to forget that one. All right. With that behind us, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Do it. Do it! Come on! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Grass! Taste bad! This week in pop culture history, April 1st, 2004, Gmail is first introduced. Many believed it to be a joke. Bad timing, I suppose. April 5th, 1994, the tragic suicide of Kurt Cobain, one of rock and roll's shining stars. 1993, layering onto the tragedy, Brandon Lee tragically killed on the set of The Crow. Well, at least we've got The Crow. This is true. But what we're going to be talking about then today are accidents on the set of TV and movie sets. It happens a lot more than you'd think. It does, and I, I hope this isn't too grim of a retro or anything, oh, but, uh, I mean, a lot of people have given their lives making entertainment. Pretty astounding, yeah. Really a lot have. more happens than you know of. Yeah. Correct, and uh, one that I don't have on my list here, I was uh, talking with BJ via email, one that he had brought up. I'll just let him uh, tell us about it really quick if he's up for it. Yeah, I mean, accents on set, it's, it's definitely a grim thing, but it's important because, uh, you know, those people died and we, we should remember them. So the, the big one for me was, uh, as a pro wrestling fan, Owen Hart, uh, who died during 
one of the pay-per-views in a stunt inspired by a guy who was ripping off the crow. So uh, it kind of goes full circle. <laughs> I never even thought about that. There's something thoroughly unlucky about that concept, I guess. I can't imagine. What a horrible way to go. I mean, I, he was coming down on a on a wire, like he's supposed to be lowered into the ring, correct? Right, and then, that's right. What, it, it, did it snap or did it just come loose? I, I mean, the story differs because of the, the lawsuits involved, but from what I gathered, the safety harness didn't, uh, didn't secure him properly. So as he was coming down from the rafters, it released and he fell, uh, which was... I mean, sad and tragic in its own sure. right, but then you, then you factor in that this happened on worldwide television with uh, about 15,000, 16,000 people in, the, in attendance who saw it happen. That would stick with you. Yeah. yeah. Something that will stick with you, kind of like the Crow movie itself. <laughs> Isn't that the oh, truth? I, the Crow was okay. I mean, I watched it once. I never felt the need to like go running back to it. I tell you what, I liked it when I was 14, and the girl I was dating was super gothy and forced me to sit down and watch it because saying that I thought it was kind of a piece of crap wouldn't have got me much further that day. <laughs> yep. so. yeah. I didn't like it when I first saw it, but then years after when I started getting into drinking and partying it kind of and listening to more alternative music, you I need guess, a little kinda, bit of chemical assistance. Yeah. Then I started to really like it and kind of enjoyed it a little bit more. Yeah. I have a question. Yeah. Sure. Now, maybe you guys can help me with this, uh, because I used to have the soundtrack, don't ask why, uh, to all of the bad superhero movies that came out in the 90s on cassette. I can't for the life of me remember if The Cure is the one that does the track for The Crow or if they did it for Judge Dredd. Let me see. I think I might have The Crow soundtrack. Certainly leaning toward maybe, The Crow for The Cure. Maybe it sounds like... Not. It sounds like the perfect fit if you're going to pick any one band to... Uh, right. Yeah, I would say it'd have to yeah, be The Crow, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, Just for sure. Make an educated guess. <laughs> right. Who was it we had on the show a while back that... Uh, they were from overseas. They had a really, band. really thick Scottish accent. The crew. They kept crew. saying the crew, the crew. And we were like, what, yeah. what is this crew book? No, and I've not read the It wasn't like halfway till th- through the conversation. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Us yeah. damn Yankees can't understand your tongue. barrier. How unfortunate, though. But, you know, there's another instance where... Um, you know, he was killed by a, a gun that was thought to have blanks in it, and obviously he right. didn't. Um, John Eric Hexum, do you guys know this name? No, I'm not hmm. familiar. I wasn't either. I think Brooke brought it to my attention. But uh, he died in 84 on the set of uh, Cover Up. He was between sh- between scenes. I don't even know what Cover Up was, no. some television show, but... He was, uh, like I said, uh, between scenes off the side of the set, and they were playing with prop guns. And uh, they found a gun that had blanks in it. Oh, jeez. He emptied all the rounds out except for one, spun the barrel, closed it, and put it to his temple like playing the Russian roulette. The blanks will still fully kill you yeah. at point blank. <laughs> and he shot it point blank at his temple. Man. Which then, what I read online, you know, maybe any other part on his body may have still it would have done been some awful. damage. Yeah, but... but it wouldn't have been as effective as right to the temple you know how sensitive it is and i guess it like broke his skull and sent skull fracture or skull fragments into his brain like sure there's (sighs) slight pressure difference that comes out of there Mm -hmm. 
Well, they said it shoots out like a a, a wad of paper or something. Oh, that makes sense. So So you get that nice bright flash probably. I mean, any kind of combustion like out of a small (laughs) chamber like that's going to... Imagine when there's that much, you know, coming out of the muzzle, you think to yourself, probably shouldn't press this against my head. I wouldn't think it... Yeah. You know, I... I thought I remember hearing, and you know, it's it's been so long. This could be another one of those things where the truth has been molded and reinterpreted so many mm-hmm. times that who knows. But the issue with Brandon Lee on the set of The Crow is that at some point uh, a bullet had been placed in the gun that had its powder removed, but like the percussion cap or something to that effect was still present. Yeah, the primer still on. Yeah, 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 and it was enough to get the um, the round stuck in the barrel. It was just kind of like dormant. Hmm. It was like wedge jammed almost. And then when they started using like full powder blanks for that scene, there was enough energy behind it to finally shoot. Yeah, yeah. I always wondered, like, well, who? it seems like some kind of conspiracy that somebody would put a live round in it. It was a combination of factors is is what it amounted to, according to that, you know, what I heard is that it was just astounding bad luck and lack of oversight and just carelessness on the hands of the people who, you know. That's how Bruce Lee died. Pretty much, that was pretty much the same thing that happened with Brandon Lee. He got shot. I thought what? he Bruce just kind of faded yeah, out. Lee yeah, he got shot. sick. And... You sure? Yeah. Wait, yeah. wasn't there a samurai warrior bent on killing Bruce Lee, or am I on some hallucinogenic drug right now? <laughs> oh, I don't know, but I, I almost hope there was. Cause that I, I remember awesome. the... Uh... He died during the making of a movie. I mean, maybe that's what you're talking about. I could have sworn it was the same type of thing. There was an actual loaded gun that someone shot it. No, he had something like a brain, something with his brain. Yeah, that was the thing. He had had a stroke, but they made a a movie not too long, or maybe a while ago, uh, where they were trying to tell you that Bruce Lee was killed by some, like, aging curse. Yes, yes. Uh, It was called... uh, Dragon or Enter Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. dragon. The Bruce Lee story. Dragon the Bruce Lee yeah. story. Yes, because uh, Lauren Holly uh, played his wife, who was uh, Mary Swanson from Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Samsonite. <laughs> Samsonite. <laughs> <laughs> right. Swampsy, Swampsy, Swami. Man, yeah, yeah. Definitely wasn't a gun though. That was just Brandon. I'm gonna have to punch the friend of mine that told me that way back. He's then. no friend of yours. Yeah. Punching hard. It's a fake yeah. friend. Very hard. Get a get a loaded blank gun and press it against <laughs> his temple. I'll be like, it'll be all right. It's just a blank. It's just going to make it loud and pop. And you know, it, it had come up in conversation just before we started this show. You mentioned the Twilight movie. Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry, Twilight Zone movie. Not the big Twilight. difference. We don't talk about Twilight here. Fucking the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, and I don't know if you recall the sequence where there's a, a bigoted guy who is tearing apart. Everyone even slightly different from him. He's mm-hmm. causing a mess at the restaurant, and he gets sent back through time to experience life as these people he's disparaging. And there's a, a I believe it's a Vietnam sequence. Yeah, where in the Twilight Zone movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like the it's, very it's first brief, skit in the movie. I don't remember that. Yeah, it's right off the top after uh, Bruce Lee gets shot. <laughs> it's, they're all kind of, but uh, it's it's Wait it's a there. Minute. And the scene is present, but there's a crashing helicopter, or rather one taking off. I can't remember if it crashes in the film or not, but there was an... I don't know about in the film, but... But there was an actual helicopter crash Mm -hmm. that killed that actor, whose name eludes me, and I think... Vic Morrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the young boy who was uh, in the scene with him. Two children. Two, no kidding. Two children. Well, there you have it. Were in the shot with him, and the chopper came down on them, and he was immediately decapitated, and... But it, yeah, a, everyone was. 
you know, there's a way to make this less tra tragic, though. Imagine if that had happened on the set of Twilight. You know, yeah. <laughs> that kind of recontextualizes the whole thing, doesn't it? Boy, it's it that really Vietnam changes. flashback sequence in Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it does make a difference. It shouldn't, but it does. It sure does. Oh, that's horrible of us, isn't it? Well, you know. If we're going to hell, our seat's been reserved for a long time. I don't think this is the last straw. How about you, Jack? Uh, not so much a death, but an accident. Carrie Ellis was knocked unconscious and concussed during The Princess Bride. Really? When really? a six-finger man thumped him in the head with the, <laughs> the hilt of his sword, he actually knocked his ass out. Remember uh, uh, talking to Kevin Sorbo at one of those conventions, he said that Somebody hit him yes. on the side of a prop sword, and it yeah. concussed him, knocked him clear out. Mm -hmm. He's already dealt with some uh, issues with his brain. Like, that was very, that was severe. Yeah, <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Once you get that first concussion, the rest just sort of slip in there. Yeah. But, uh, I'm sorry, continue. Oh, that was it. And uh, what was her name again, I'm sorry? Carrie Ellis. Carrie Ellis. I think she was at the his, his Him. Him. Oh, I figured it was a girl. I thought you knew who he was. You, know you thought wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Bride. I've seen the movie. I, did, oh, okay. I just, I mean, I didn't like memorize all the actors' names. Or this not. is an interesting experiment in like opening up an episode that already has no momentum and seeing where we can take it. From. <laughs> it's my kind of show. All right, <laughs> we're building momentum. Yeah, yeah, give it time. Slowly but surely, <clears throat> with a little engine that could. How about uh, Steve Irwin? Oh man! He was filming an episode of his uh, daughter's show. He was on his daughter's Just a show. One yeah. in a million. Yeah, you know that was so horrible to hear. That's what, how many recorded so stingray deaths have there been throughout history? You know, it... the worst part. Everyone was like, one day he's going to get hurt by them damn alligators. And it wasn't and even. Aisle, huh? Yeah, uh, it almost seems like an insult. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you had seen the video come out where he had died, and you just see an alligator cl like clamp on his head, you're like. That sucks, but we saw it coming. At least yeah. he died doing what he loved. This is Agitating true. giant reptiles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for the stingray, I mean, just... Oh, That's a shame. And of all the places for that barb to go. Right, yeah. Straight right in the into heart. the heart. Yeah. Man. Wild. It's beyond wild. It's something else. I don't even like petting them at the <clears> zoo <throat> just because I'm afraid I'm going to get jabbed in the hand or something like that. <laughs> they talk you down like, oh, it's fine. They won't do anything. You reach your hand over the pin and a barb just straight <laughs> fires out. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I told you. Are any you baseball know, fans? Come again? Are any of you baseball fans by chance? Not so much. No, no, I, no I'm not much of a fan the of any why, The reason why I bring it up is at the Tampa Bay Ballpark. They do actually have stingrays that were on display for the longest time. Originally, they were behind home plate, but now they're in their own little area uh, where you can come over and pet them. And I, I always fantasize, because I, I hate the Yankees, that the tank would burst open and the stingrays <laughs> would just descend on the Yankees. It, ha it hasn't happened yet, but just in talking about Steve Irwin, I'm like, you know, there still might be a chance. Give it we time. We live in a world where that could happen. Don't give up hope. <laughs> and now the Stingrays are killing the players just out there. be assailed by Stingrays. <laughs> right in the middle of a game. Stingrays uh, so belligerent that they actually flop along the ground to find <laughs> new victims. Sounds like what was it? <laughs> yeah. When you were setting that up, I, I, it sounded like they were giving away Stingrays to people coming to the game. Like, <laughs> oh, that totally should. Sure. Stingray. Stingray Day. Yankee Stadium. <laughs> like they did in, uh, in basketball when they had free-range chicken day. Yeah. They were just giving chickens out at the door. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, so onset mishaps, none of which uh, lethal that I know of anyway, but I remember reading about Lord of the Rings having some, you know, a long, expensive, occasionally troubled production. I mean, there's a lot of movie in that trilogy, so yeah. you have to imagine things happen. And there are several sequences in the movie that look dangerous or violent because something went wrong and they actually happened. There's uh, one bit in particular where one of the main characters, Viggo Mortensen's character, uh, upon thinking that Frodo or, and Sam are dead, he kicks a helmet that's in a big burned corpse pile and falls to his knees and screams. And he fell and screamed because when he kicked that helmet, he shattered three of his toes. Ooh, <laughs> like he shit. hit it just such an oh angle that it obliterated his foot. But they kept the shot because it looked so nice. And then uh, before that, in the previous movie, there's a bit where an orc uh, throws a knife at him. Why not? That's something an orc would do, I suppose. And he turns around just as fast as can be and knocks it out of the air with his sword. And you see it and you're like, wow, that was badass. And it looked pretty real, too. Yeah, that's because the knife slipped out of the actor's hand and <laughs> went flying toward him. And by some miracle, his reflexes kicked in and he deflected it right then and there. Wow. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, it's that training for sword fighting. That I mean, I, I guess it helped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the the last thing, this was my absolute favorite. The actor who played Gimli, the dwarf, whose name I forget. Again, I keep trying to remember. But uh, he had a reputation for not being kind to the extras. Not like rude, but like when it came to fight scenes, you'd get a little too into it. You know, so they'd set him up, trying to get it all choreographed. It's like, all right, so five orcs are going to come at you from these five different directions. And another actor said, so he'd point at him and be like, okay, you, and then you, then I'll duck and I'll get you. And they're like, okay, fine. And they'd run at him, and he'd take his big prop battle axe, and he'd smash it into him just as hard as he could. I'd just sending dudes fly. <laughs> like, they had to have this revolving door of people to be in the fight scenes with this guy because he just couldn't tone it back. Mm. Just kept blasting extras. That character actor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dude's totally method. Wow. I'll have to pay attention next time I yeah, uh, yeah. decide to dedicate 15 hours to a movie trilogy. Well, you know, I won't hold my breath or anything, but <laughs> you, just, you just let me know. I, I will do that. Uh, BJ, any other uh, instances you can think of? No, uh, I was just, I'm sorry, I was imagining the guy playing Gimli on the set of Lincoln uh, in full, like, dwarf gear and battle axe. <laughs> uh, that, that's an excellent way to happen, but no, I mean, that's... Uh, that's the only one that really comes to mind. I mean, stuff like this has always happened. I'm, I'm more surprised when it doesn't happen. Sure. sure. So when you talk about things like, you know, going way back to the Three Stooges or things like Jackass, uh, which hasn't been on the air in years. I don't know why I'm referencing that. Uh, <laughs> I'm more impressed that, like, those guys are still alive and kicking. Right, right. And I've, I've heard that uh, Johnny Knoxville, like, has a pretty labored life with like medical things he's yeah, got to do yeah. on a daily basis just as a result of all that stuff but last um, i read he he suffered this is going to sound crass but like in all seriousness he suffered like some really catastrophic damage to his groin there's another movie of his coming out too yeah yeah i Action saw where, point or something where he like. actually does stunts again yeah like he's yeah. doing those same kind of stunts again but um like yeah action point is that what it was yeah, called yeah yeah probably gonna skip it uh, I mean, they're 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 always fun for a lark for me. I enjoy them. Bad Grandpa was kind of funny. If you watched I that, I didn't. I skipped that one too. Uh, yeah, same here. It was funny. You should watch it. I disapprove. I'm, I don't care. My opinion of you is in flux. <laughs> Here's one that really um, 
really just made me kind of upset. I don't. You might not remember, Jack. You might. Uh, same with you, BJ. Growing up, a movie called Milo and Otis. Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember Milo yeah. and Otis. You do? Yeah, absolutely. I used to love it when I was younger. Okay. Well, same here. Me it was a dog and a cat. There was no people in that movie, wasn't there? Right. Oh. Dog and a cat. Oh, no. It's going to so, be bad, huh? It's pretty bad. <laughs> okay. Um, what I found out was the origin of this movie. It did not start, and I might have some details hazy here, but it, it didn't start as an American movie. It started, came from a Japanese production company oh, who wow. filmed it uh, just, you know, the animals and music. There was no voiceover to these animals. Huh. And then they decided later to Americanize it, you know, write a write dialogue for throw these. Throw in some guns and hot dogs. Well, Americans can't interpret a story for themselves. <laughs> they need to be led by <laughs> this. This is talking. way too deep and meditative. <laughs> you know, so then they put the uh, uh, voices over the dog and cat and had their adventure. Well, there have been many investigations opened on the production of this movie. Because come to find out that they were actually killing and abusing animals for this movie to be made. And it's speculated that they went through probably 20 different Milo and Otis's for this movie. Good God. Isn't that freaking crazy? That's not And even reports, man, I hate saying this stuff because it's so horrible, but reports that they were breaking the legs of kittens to get them to walk hobbled for certain shots. Like, it's... Infuriating, it's disgusting, and it kind of makes me mad that I was clamoring on it so as a child. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, how are we to know? So, honestly? thanks for that. So, what you're saying is on the list of people rotting in hell, at the top we got Nazis, and at number two we got the people who made Milo and Otis. <laughs> I would have to agree with you. I'm, I'm comfortable with that yep. list. I, I would have to agree with you. I mean, yeah. how heartless to just, uh, I mean, these were puppies and kittens. You have to. Babies. You've got to, like, circumvent a biological imperative not to hurt puppies and kittens. Like, yeah. every cell in your body screams, like, leave it alone. You know? <laughs> it's just I one just of those movies that I had always kind of deemed as, like, one of our childhood classics. Sure. And, like, maybe someday if we have kids, they'll watch it, but not now. No, no. Next time I watch it, I'm going to have to really pay attention to see if there's any difference Slight between those animals. That's a different cat. The dog really is dead. <laughs> 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 All right. Anything else, guys? I think that's all I've got to uh, to contribute. I'm gonna have DJ. to watch Milo and Otis while high now. <laughs> <laughs> that's either going to be a great or a horrible watch. It'll be it'll teams. be a little bit of both. <laughs> hey, aren't all the best things in life a little bit of both? <laughs> I suppose so. I suppose so. Um, the set of Top Gum, Top Gun. Excuse me, Top Gum, Top Gum. Yep, that was the one. <laughs> Uh, there was a scene where they just have two uh, jets taking off and then mm-hmm. doing stunts in the air. And I guess one of the uh, pilots was doing a roll too close to the ground. And when he pulled back, he pulled back to the ground and just nosedived it straight down. Oh, wow. Yeah, it killed him. Yeah. Got his directions a little mixed up, I think. Well, yeah. Yeah. And there was a, uh, on the set of The Dark Knight... Uh, there was a guy hanging out like a I don't know if he was a production guy or he's just a cameraman was hanging out the window of a car filming the scene with a, as the car moved and like as the car turned they misjudged the turn and hit like a post or something and like I don't know if it like broke his back against the side of the car but it kind of like bent him in oh, half wow. you know and like a day or two later he died and uh, they ended up dedicating the film to him and Heath Ledger after it came out. Well, that's Dead, rough. Deadpool 2 just recently had that uh, stunt 
that stunt person driving oh. the motorcycle they ran into a, a pane glass of glass window yeah. yeah and she ended up dying a pane of glass it's so horrible that my mind immediately goes to like Looney Tunes where there's two That's guys like carrying a street, pane of glass yeah. across the, or Blues Brothers that's why you shit. put the little little tape X over the middle so. yeah cause that's People always helpful to prevent yeah. shenanigans <laughs> to let people know hey carrying a pane I of glass I got glass here, here. It's next to the fruit stand. Right. (laughs) All right. Anything else, guys? I think that's all I got. Yep. That's it? All right. Well, that was a very successful uh, 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 retro roundtable, I think, right? Yeah. I I had fun with that Remembering other people's pains. Very brutal, emotionally difficult. It's crazy how uh, some of these things happen, but by God, if they don't. And with that, we got t-shirts, people. (laughs) We're selling t-shirts here. Here's a nice, graceful transition. (laughs) Buy Not worried about shirts. segways today. Just worried about selling T-shirts, mugs, wall clocks, shower curtains. Although we cannot legally say um, our T-shirts will make you immortal, we will tell you they will make you immune to blanks from a distance of thirty feet or more. <laughs> this is true. That's power you can't get anywhere else. Right? Candy or T-shirts and foam knives and swords. I think that's right. Yeah, impervious to. Society6.com forward slash pod to start beefing up your arsenal. They also people. cure the blues. <laughs> That's priceless. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely priceless right there. Can't put a price tag on happiness. Oh, wait, you can. You sure can. You sure can. $24.99. Society6.com Society forward slash candarepod. There it is. Your price tag for happiness. All right. Enough uh, bullshitting these poor people. (laughs) Let's just move right into the comic vault. Who would like to go first? You know, I've got kind of a shortish one. Um, (laughs) Uh, Don't tell that to the ladies. (laughs) You know, it it hurts me when you talk like that. But at the same time, if you said the same thing, I'd have been all over it. You served the ball, and I I hit it, man. I respect that. Integrity. Jokes before friendship. The comic. Anywho. The fucking comic. Get on. Here we go. I uh, I actually kind of stumbled into this one. I was having a look through people that follow us on Twitter and their followers and so on down the rabbit hole. You know how it is. Sure. Seeing what what kind of community has has sprung up that we've tapped into. Not necessarily that we're responsible for or anything, but but the people we're connected to. And I saw this really really interesting comic called Moonslayer. I was taken by the title like immediately. Mm-hmm. Moonslayer. Come on. It's badass. There's no way around it. And I, I clicked the link, and the art style looks really solid right off the bat. Um, not the kind of thing I usually gravitate toward, but it was so well done that I was I was intrigued. And it describes itself as a uh, a high fantasy webcomic series, which I love. Because there's a special place in my heart for fantasy that just pulls out all the stops. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I love things in a on a huge scale with far-reaching implications. And this is very much one of those comics that has, uh, what I want to say, a a mythic scope. The very first few pages, they're setting up a a prologue of sorts where there's this warrior queen deity of sorts, and she's killing off the rest of this pantheon. All of this, you know, some ancient dragon representing the night sky, uh, the the god of sunlight, all this stuff. She's just on a warpath, and she finally makes her way to the deity that represents the moon and she's going to do it she's going to kill the aspect of the moon and apparently this is to 
satisfy some prophecy or, or hit reset on all of creation. It hasn't really uh, explained the motives yet, but all I know is that the art style is super rich and colorful. It's got this awesome mythic feel right off the bat. You know, I mean, they're, they're not pulling any punches. From there, it transitions into the, the story you'll be following, you know, with that being uh, sort of the framework for what's happening. And uh, I couldn't recommend it enough. It's, again, you know, free web comics. It's something to check out that sure. someone's poured their heart and soul into, and they've done an extraordinary job. So if you're interested, um, it is written by, uh, you go to at Monica NG. There's also at Moonslayer Comic. It appears to be a little less active than her personal profile, so I'd recommend going there first. She's got links all over the place. Uh, MoonslayerComic.com. Very easy to find. Awesome. She's not hiding it anywhere. So, yeah, give it a look. Cool. Moonslayer. Yeah. Sounds awesome. All right, BJ, would you like to go next? Yeah, I just have one caveat. Have you guys read the Infinity Gauntlet? You know, just a few weeks ago, I had it in my hand at the store, and then I saw the ridiculous markup they put on it. Did they really? <laughs> because of the movie coming out, and I was like, nope. So, no, I have not. No. Okay, so potential spoilers for Infinity War, I think. No, this is actually, I was so excited when you said you were going to be talking about this because I've actually been looking online for like YouTube videos on like, uh, you know, the cliff notes of the actual oh. book. Like, I, I want to know this stuff before going into the movie. Yeah, I'm your man because this was my first, this was my first major crossover event and I was like eight at the time and Thanos is my favorite villain. So I'm pretty excited about the Infinity War uh, for a couple of reasons. But, okay, so spoiler, 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 spoiler. Everybody dies. <laughs> I need that one. There's, yeah, like, there's no way, there's no other way to, to put it. So I, I know there's a lot of speculation now as to what Marvel character they're going to kill off for the film. But essentially what happens is Thanos gets the Infinity Gems, as, as I'm sure the entire planet knows at this point uh but what make what makes Thanos interesting and what's what appears to be different from the movie uh is that he's driven by love he's in love with like the incarnation of death because in the Marvel, yes, in the Marvel I thought that was yeah. the coolest yeah, yeah. This, this is something like they've kind of played with uh in the Marvel Cinematic Universe but in the comics everybody's got some kind of embodiment so like Eternity's got something death has got something Mephisto is kind of the devil but kind of not depending on who's writing him uh, so anyway, so Thanos is in love with death, and in order to win her over, he sets out on this mission to wipe out half of the universe. Uh, this is something that death has wanted. She's resurrected him a bunch of times in order to complete this, and he's never been able to successfully do it. So he gets the Infinity Gems, he does it, and you think, all is well, that ends well. Uh, hilarity and hijinks ensue. <laughs> <laughs> For people who want to read issues one through six, it's, it's all very good and highly recommended. Adam Warlock, who's my least favorite character, makes an appearance and probably will be a thing in the movie, uh, unfortunately. But what's great is just the scale of it. Like, the fact that Thanos takes on everybody who's everyone in the 90s. Like, you know, they have Quasar, and no one today knows who the fuck Quasar is, or at least the original Quasar. Uh, he's got Wolverine rocking the, the Frank Miller and Chris Claremont brown and yellow look. So Thanos takes them all on, kills everybody. Uh, the gods show up, he kills everybody again because he's Thanos. And uh, this is where I think it really gets into spoiler territory. Uh, it turns out that <laughs> Thanos always beats himself. Like, he has no weakness. And I think that that's something that's also important because most 
you know, most supervillains have some kind of stupid weakness. Thanos is that he he internally believes that he doesn't deserve godhood. And so each time the Avengers have fought him, he's allowed either subconsciously or consciously like these opportunities for them to beat him. So in the Infinity Gauntlet, it's actually Nebula that saves the day. Uh, and she like swipes the gauntlet off of his hand and puts it on and she becomes God temporarily. And uh, it's just like this great moment that I really want to see play out in the movie, but I just I just don't know how they'll get there. Uh, because Nebula is interesting, but she's always kind of been this side character in the Guardians film. So for her to suddenly be like this front and center character, I just don't know if they'll do it. So uh, yeah, they probably won't. But highly recommended. It. It's it's great. Jim Starlin. I mean, there's a lot of sequels. The Infinity Gauntlet. Almost all of them suck. Uh, the only one that you should read going into the movie is Infinity by Jonathan Hickman. I've uh, got most of that one. I think I'm missing the issue. That's got the Black Order. Which is Thanos's like evil uh, minions that are in the in the film, but uh, those are the two that I would recommend. And Infinity Gauntlet, I mean, it's it's old now. It came out in 1991. You could probably get it cheap on in stock trades or even on Amazon. I uh, definitely recommend picking it up. I didn't even think about doing that. Yeah, that's a good point. I just went down to the local store and it was such a huge market. But it was <laughs> rookie mistake. <clears throat> it was big ass book too. I mean, what could probably be handled in you know fewer issues. This was thicker than the Bible. This is like a dictionary. Is how big this Jeez. thing was. Yeah. But well, thank you. That that actually helps a lot. The Infinity Gauntlet Britannica. <laughs> oh, look at you. <laughs> That was a stretch. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I, I knew in a nutshell what was going on with the gauntlet, but um, just details, uh, like a lot of the stuff you said I did not know and definitely helps so much. But it's funny how stories, you know, get retold and then changed, and then by the time you get to the where we're at now, you know, the source material has been so so watered down sure. by the time you hit this movie. It's it's good to go Who back and even see say, where yeah. that seed, where it all came from, you know. Very good, very good. Jack, you want to go next? Sure. I've got one called Romantically Apocalyptic. Mm. And it wasn't the name that made me want to start reading it. Cause <laughs> Let me just get that out there. Yeah. Romantically, <laughs> oh, let's see what this is about. But uh, it's the freaking artwork and I don't, the style. It's very photo-esque. But it's about a guy named Charles Snippy that he was a part of some science team. Uh, it's takes place after the apocalypse it's nuclear winter and he's the last one on this on the science team and he's just roaming around looking for somebody i guess it's pretty vague what the hell is going on in the book because uh, you it, it's weird you have to read it to understand it but he ends up falling down knocks himself out gets woken up by uh, a thunder clap looks over sees this crashed plane there's a glowing uh aura going on and next thing you know this one guy appears that is called z captain z-e-e captain they both have gas masks on and the captain's looks like it has a perpetual grin and he's really weird you you don't really understand who he is or what he is i reading the description it says he's some kind of space wizard or something like that nice. but snippy doesn't even know if he's a real person or just a man of station but hmm. the artwork it's it's Got a lot of flash artwork, so there's the pictures are moving. Oh, sweet. But it's bright ass colors, it's gorgeous. Hmm. And it's weird when as you hell, say photo esque, are you talking like uh the, the artwork's just so good it looks realistic, or do you mean like I know we've seen comics in the past that actually use photographs. 
some it it looks like it's real. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, that's. Oh, that is cool. Look at that. And the costumes that they're wearing is real kind of German SS. Yeah, what, what Jack's showing us here is like a big beam coming out of the sky in this panel. But it's one of those comics that's fully taken advantage of its webcomic presence. And where the use of color is pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Not only that, but your slight animation. I mean, it's not full-blown animation, right, right. but that flickering light adds to it so much. A lot. It yeah. just takes a little, mm -hmm. you know. Less right. is more. If they had overdone it with, you know, crackling lightning and all that noise, it would have seemed gaudy. But exactly. I spent more time than I should have staring at the pictures instead <laughs> of keeping going with the story. But it, the story is super Someone's done their intriguing. job right, though. Yeah, I mean, sure. if, you're, if you're baited like that and you're sitting there looking, someone's done their job. So romantically apocalyptic. Awesome. Sounds good. But, but again, wasn't there because of the romantic in the title. No, no. It was the, it was the artwork. <laughs> in case me. you were worried. That oh, that just <laughs> making sure. I don't <laughs> read romance. Making sure we didn't have to kick you out of here tonight. <laughs> oh, I'm a man. <laughs> well, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> I think we have a show ender clip. <laughs> All right. Uh, the comic I have this week is a, a web comic like your guys's. Comes out every Monday and Friday called Gifts of Wandering Ice. Have you oh, guys boy. heard of this at all? No. Sounds pretty wild. Uh, boy, is it. And I mean that in the best possible way. I haven't uh, fully got to delve into this book quite yet. I've started reading it, but what I have read isn't really enough to report on. So I'm just giving you the grand scope of what this is about. Is it gift or gif? Gift. Okay. The T. Like Christmas gifts, gifts uh, of wandering ice, of ice. But it's set in a, uh, a post-ice age after uh, the world has seen apocalypse. So it's a survivors rebuilding after an apocalypse during an ice age, and um, you know the whole premise is them pretty much piecing together humanity's past. It kind of made me think of uh, the very end of AI. How come we always go back to AI? <laughs> I know. <clears throat> the, the end of AI, when you see those uh, weird-looking beings, you know, that yeah. they found him in that ship, and they take him out and kind of researching what he was. What, and that's kind of what this is. They know nothing about their past. They know nothing really about where they've come from. And the only way they can piece together what they are, who they are, is sometimes you get these icebergs that'll come to shore, break up, and inside are these artifacts, <laughs> which, you know, they don't know what they are. They're piecing together what these things are, what they were used for, but you're you're seeing them, like, handling a bicycle or a gun or a, or a fork, you know, just stuff like that. Sure. And uh, it just, it, it's such a good concept because it could go anywhere. I mean, you could do anything with that as your as your uh, route to your story. You Man, know what I mean? Like, like the freedom that gives the writer. Right. You want to start a storyline, it's as easy as putting an object in an iceberg. <laughs> and, uh, and think about how, uh, I mean, it's not all that far off. If the right volcano oh, went boy. off today, <laughs> yeah. we could we could see another ice age. It's a hell know? of a and thought. It's a scary thought, but... Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just uh, just thinking of where that story could go is just, I don't know. It makes my mind go crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. But I strongly recommend it. Uh, I would also recommend just Googling Gifts of Wandering Ice. The website, I couldn't get just like a basic, like, giftsofwanderingice.com. It was a very long, drawn-out thing. But gotcha. it's on uh, their Twitter, which is at gifts underscore webcomic, and then we'll have it on our website yeah. as well. Sure. But, um, yeah, I just love that idea. Just love, love that idea of, like, what they might misinterpret something yeah, they find yeah. as. Or 
Anyway, that's that's my web comment. <laughs> All right. Awesome. And with that behind us, let's turn our attention over to BJ and talk about Vengeance Nevada. Thanks again for being with us, BJ. Hey, no problem. You know what's funny is that all three of you guys went with like indie comics creators, <laughs> and here I am, like the indie comics guy, pitching like a Marvel book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're delved in the indie scene all the time. You're full time in there. You've got to come out. You for need some a vacation of, now. Yeah, some sure. of the right? Yeah, this is true. But that film is going to be like the biggest film on the planet. So I probably <laughs> should have gone with like. Uh, Patsy Walker Hellcat or something like that. <laughs> no, I'm so glad you did. I, I was thrilled to hear your description of that. It helps so much. I'm ready for the movie now. Oh, yeah. It should be a good time. We'll see. <laughs> oh, yes, we will. And I want to thank you for sending us a copy of this. It was cool to flip through. And my God, what a beautiful book it is. But uh, for the uh, listeners at home who haven't had a chance to look at it, can you tell them about Vengeance Nevada? Yeah, so the basic premise is essentially what if you got everything that you ever wanted? And so the book explores that from a variety of different angles with with our main character who is undergoing a little bit of a Breaking Bad scenario where we're watching someone go from your mild-mannered, bored, everyday person to suddenly getting all everything they've ever wanted and all of these powers and following the adventure of what happens when they do and the consequences of that. So that's that's the basics behind Vengeance Nevada. What, what's interesting to me is that it's been reviewed by a bunch of different sites now, and I think everyone has described it completely different. And I'm not, not quite sure where some of the descriptions come from. So like some people are like, it's a sci-fi thriller, and other people are like, oh, it's like a like a mashup horror and detective and noir thing. And I'm kind of like, okay, uh, this is cool. But, but So my whole thing was just to tell like a fun story. Uh, and that's if you want something that's along the lines of Breaking Bad, that's that's dark and dramatic, but also has a lot of really funny moments. And then this is the book for you. And it's, it's one of those uh, ideas that I think uh, resonates well with people because it's something I think that we've all probably thought about. Oh, what sure. would we do if we had those powers? And would we really be able to restrain ourselves from, mm-hmm. you know, using them for like personal gain or, you know, being an actual hero? You know, it's funny. I, I've pondered that so many times. I've stopped thinking, what would I do if I got everything I ever wanted? And I've started thinking, what would it look like to the people I know if I suddenly got everything I wanted? <laughs> they look outside, and how has the world drastically changed? Big Jake statues everywhere. <laughs> Remember me. Jake's Casino Hotel. <laughs> He's strutting around, peacocking in his new robot body. That and he stilts made of platinum so everyone can see me. Yeah. Well, no, this was uh, awesome to look at. And one thing that uh, we definitely noticed was uh, kind of like we mentioned with Jack's webcomic earlier, you know, using using the medium to its full advantage, you know, having a black and white book and then splashes of color throughout it to accentuate certain characters and certain items. Man, bravo. I'm always such a yeah. big fan mm-hmm. of that. We had an instance of that pop up, oh, I'd say within the last five, six episodes, but not like this. This no. was very... Um, uh, just pleasing to the eye. I don't know. It was awesome to come across that. And I'm just curious what your inspiration was there. Uh, a lot of people so far have said Sin City that have read the book, but I keep telling them there's actually like a full-blown Wizard of Oz thing that's happening. So, yeah. So what I would say mm-hmm. for you guys is, is definitely there's there's a Wizard of Oz thing that happens. I don't know if it's an issue, too, where it goes like full color for six or seven pages 
uh, before returning to black and white. But that's that's what I was going for. I wanted to make sure if it was something that you should pay attention to that that you really paid attention to it because the comic doesn't stop to hold anyone's hand. Uh, there's not a lot of explanation about certain things that happen. So like. Uh, you see a flashback to her in Afghanistan, but she's fighting these aliens. Like, that's—I I spend no time with that in the book itself, like in for future issues, because I, I want to draw people right into the story and have them follow Kristen's adventure. And the other mm -hmm. stuff is just sort of informing the world around it. But in taking that approach, uh, you don't want people to get lost either. So I thought it was important that there was some way to indicate to people, no, you should pay attention to that thing. And I always go back to the example of another dark thing, Schindler's List, you know, <laughs> the little girl in the red dress. I mean, right. without that little detail there, so much impact would have been lost on that movie. It would have gotten by so many people. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's an awareness that the creator has. That, yeah. uh, with I'm comics being a, a visual medium, if you're not getting creative with the mm -hmm. visuals, what's the point? It's, it's always great to see creative visuals. Right. Absolutely. The and what's great not is, too dark either, too. It's not real bright and in your face, right. but it's there just enough to notice that it's there. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a hard thing to strike that balance, you know, because I, I think probably for a lot of indie comics, I, I think less experienced artists, writers, etc., more is more. You know, if right. they want to go for like a, a, a sort of a black and white aesthetic with splashes of color, it's going to be dark, oppressive black and white right. and then explosions of color. But mm -hmm. this we see everything kind of in proportion. And I just have to ask, being a, a, a former Nevada resident myself, why Nevada? Is this a story that could only have been told within this state or could it have just as easily been, I don't know, Vengeance, Oregon? <laughs> I think it, it's definitely a Nevada story. First, because Kristen is Washoe. Oh, and that makes sense. Yeah, a lot of people haven't... Again, the problem with black and white is that people don't necessarily pick up on ethnicity. You for lose some that of the little bit, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Kristen is is native. Uh, she's part of that, that tribe out there by Lake Tahoe. And so there's elements of a story that they tell uh, that, that's worked into Vengeance Nevada. And I, I guess the, the inspiration had originally come from what it must be like to, to be a patrolman on the border between California and Nevada over on Lake Tahoe and how boring that might be. Uh, <laughs> and so I was kind of like, all right, well, if you're bored. So originally what had happened was I, I wrote an outline for a fiction book that was going to be Vengeance Nevada. It was going to be about this sheriff's deputy who's bored, and so she goes to these garage sales and, and sells things on eBay to pass the time, and she accidentally sells something that belongs to a supervillain. And that was going to be the, the plot of the book, uh, which was the sword. And I was kind of like, all right, this is fun, but uh, what if we we started at the end of the book and just did the comic? And so that that's really why I went with Nevada, because of that location. Uh, Lake Tahoe is something that comes up, Reno and Carson City are things that, that people see throughout the book. So I, I went and I actually got like a history book on the state. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I mean, I get I get pretty deep into the research for things. And so I, I spent a lot of time with, with Nevada and made sure that as much as I could, I enmeshed as much of the state and the people's history into the book. That you know, I, fantastic. I love that you did because I, I remember my time in the state there's very much, you know, you hit these open, dusty plains and the rolling hills and all this, and there's this this feel of anything can happen. 
You know, if exactly. 99.99% of this, you know, brownish wasteland is totally normal, what's that other 0.001%? You know, it's it's you can't watch the whole thing all the time. So it seems like a, a really perfect setting to have really unusual things happen. I, it's I don't know. It's it's refreshing to see something like that happening in a place like that, right. as opposed to you know the standard. Oh, there's an issue in the sewers of New York. You know, we go to these densely populated <laughs> places. There's something much more unsettling about the big wide open spaces, sure. and mm-hmm. I, I really love seeing rep- that represented in comics. So this was a this is a home run for me. Right, I, I get it totally. What was it? Uh, was that No Country for Old Men? No Country it? for Old Men. Yeah, yeah. It's got that vibe. It's got that same yeah. feel where you're like, there's just so much, and far too few to keep it all safe. You know. Sure, sure. So yeah, I love that. So how far do you see this story playing out, or do you even have an end in sight yet? Is this going to be like a contained graphic novel when it's said and done, or is this just going for the unconceivable unconce- future? No, uh, it definitely has standing. I, I don't see it running more than 24 issues. Uh, okay. The issue that we, the, the challenge that Peter and I face is that we're both really busy people. Sure. And so I'm lucky if I can get two to three issues out each year. So even though it might be like 24 issues, which doesn't sound like a lot, you know, if we're sticking to that kind of release schedule, it's, it's going to take a little bit to get all those issues out. So. Uh, no, it's it's very fine. I, I don't like ongoing. I'll give you an example. Like in the '90s, when I started reading comics, I, I started reading Spawn. Uh, Spawn is still going today. I, I don't know what number it is. I couldn't, for the life of you, tell you anything about what's happened in the book over 20 years. But I know that it's not the same Spawn that I was reading, which is fine. Uh, so I, I kind of like having a defined beginning, middle, and end with each of the characters. And I do have other comics that sort of play in the same universe. So over on my site, there's a link on the comics page where it says, do you want more free comics? And you'll see, like, I've got this pro wrestling superhero mashup, uh, which is set in the world of Vengeance Nevada. And then there's also uh, a comic called Liberty, which also plays with these characters. So Kristen's story is very set. But once it's done, uh, that there's no reason why I can't go back to it with some of these other things. I just love universe building. Yeah. Especially the prospect of new new ones, you know, the ones we're already subjected to on a daily basis. Absolutely. And, you know, just for a split second there, I thought you were going to stop it. I just love you. <laughs> then the universe came in. I was like, okay, that makes more sense. I'd make for a weird end of the show, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I get it. You want to be polite to the guests, but let me... <laughs> well, thanks. Let's uh, respect some boundaries. <laughs> oh, my God. But no, I'll, I'm... I'm we still have him here at this point. He's not going anywhere. That's <laughs> true. In it for the I, long haul. I'll take it because I, I've got... <laughs> I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but there is a forthcoming uh, Fox News appearance for me in the works. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and so I, I will take all the love I can get because I'm sure they're going to tear my ass up when I do pop up on that. <laughs> now, are you going to be on there for for Vengeance Nevada? Uh, I'm going to definitely plug Vengeance Nevada, but no, I'm coming on to uh, I'm coming on to promote the privacy book that I that I just released. Ooh, the privacy book! I'd love to hear more. <laughs> are, you, are you sure you want me to segue into that? We got like. Uh, how much time do we have? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, if you've got the time, I think we do. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, what, what I'll tell people is this. I mean, everything that everything that's happening right now that you might have read about about Facebook, uh, I've covered over the past decade across two <laughs> different books. So I covered it first in Social Media is Bullshit, which came out by St. Martin's Press, and you can find it in stores. 
And I covered it more recently in this privacy book called Privacy and How We Get It Back, uh, which came out this year. And, and so I, there was a lot of eye rolling on my part when the uh, Cambridge Analytica story came out because I was like, of course this happened because this is the kind of thing that they've been uh, doing for years now. And so the book just sort of lays out like what happens with all your data and why you should be paid for it. Uh, how it relates to comics is, you know, if you are a comic writer or artist, it's really hard to make a living. And so one of the things I put out in the privacy book is we're able to now pay people for their time and attention uh, when they come to different websites through stuff like the basic attention token and, and the Brave browser, which could be found at brave.com. So if you're a comics creator, there's absolutely no reason why you couldn't be paid for your data or paid for your work in a way that Facebook really didn't allow, like the way social media doesn't really allow, because if someone takes your book and just posts it up on Facebook, uh, you've lost potential sales from that happening. Right. Whereas whereas now, if someone comes to your site and you're like, hey, I, I accept basic attention token, I will give you the comic for free, and all you have to do is pay me like four bucks uh, or four bucks a month through something like a Patreon, uh, then you're making the money. So as scary as the data thing is, uh, there's stuff like that that's coming that's in the works that I'm kind of excited about. Wow, that sounds hmm. amazing. It sounds like a lot of it might be over my head, but it's a yeah. lot of stuff that I, <laughs> I probably need to know. I mean, it sounds important, especially I, for the line of business we're, we're in here, you know. I would tell you to get the – so here's my thing. I, I mean, full disclosure, I make more money off of people who buy the audiobook uh, than I do if they buy the print book. But the audiobook has more dick jokes in it. <laughs> Sold. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to read about your privacy and laugh your ass off, uh, you can get the book on Audible, and that's the one I recommend, both because I make more money from that, but also because uh, that has more jokes in it than the print edition. And it's really, it's like a three-hour listen. Like, you can get through it on a bus ride, or maybe two bus rides, and uh, you'll be set. I'm desperate for something to listen to at work, so hey, you know what? I'm going to listen to it. Awesome. That'll, I could probably polish that off in a day if it's three yeah. hours. Oh, yeah. Nice, nice. Well, um, you'll have to send us uh, some links, and we'll definitely put links on our website, uh, not only to uh, VengeanceNevada.com, which, if I'm not mistaken, reroutes you just to uh, Comixology, where you yes. can purchase the book, <clears throat> and also to uh, BJMendelson.com, where uh, everything that you are doing and have done is uh, there for people to see, correct? That's right. Everything's in one place. Yeah, go ahead and send us a file of your book, and we'll put it all on our website for free without crediting you. <laughs> It'll be perfect. Actually, uh, I'm glad. Let me uh, let me pull it up real quick. I'm just real quick. I'm glad that you mentioned that because I, I do this thing with every interview and appearance I do. I don't know if I'll do it on Fox News. I might do it on C-SPAN because everyone is watching C-SPAN to fall asleep. Uh, so I'm not too worried about that. But I give out my cell phone number. And people who text me the word sheetrock get a free buck. So they'll get like a free oh, wow. PDF copy of Social Media is Bullshit, which is my first book. It's a PDF, so uh, you know, if people have trouble reading it, they, they could just let me know. But the number is 646-331-8341. And if people text the word sheetrock, which is spelled exactly as it sounds, I'll send you a free PDF of the first book. That's awesome. You said sheetrock? Like S... Like yeah, S-H-E-E-T? yeah, it's S H E E T rock. It's okay. Uh, okay. I can't tell you why I went with that word. It, it's um, I, I can tell you it's a, it's a private joke between a friend of mine and myself. But if anyone texts me that particular word, they will get a free PDF of the book. That's awesome. You can't beat that. Oh, it's that simple, yeah. I suppose. It is that simple, people. Wow, that is downright decent of you. Thank you uh, for doing that for the listeners. Well, thanks for having me on. 
No, BJ, thank you, man. This has been a blast. I hope sure you has, had as yeah. much fun as we did. Yeah, I certainly did. Awesome. Good <laughs> luck with your Fox News appearance, man. Yeah, best of luck with that. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's either going to be really good or just awful, and I can't wait. Well, hey, stay strong. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can check out our special guest page, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, visit the Hall of Heroes, see the Wall of Justice, check out some of the videos from our YouTube page, click on the merch button, and if you'd like to give us any complaints or kudos, or if you want to even be on the show, send us an email on our contacts page. And once more, that is at cannedairpod on Twitter and at canned underscore air on Instagram. Furthermore, Patreon, do it, be there, donate. Listen, podcast. We make fun entertainment for you. <laughs> Cutting out the words you don't need. Just yeah, the I'm trying to do. streamline my pitch. There you go. And uh, hey, everyone, dig out your movies. We're going to have an old-fashioned movie burning. Bring your Milo and Otis's down to the <laughs> town square, and we're going to justice for Milo. Pile them up and burn them all straight to hell. But uh, with that behind us, I think I think we've said everything, right? Sure. Yeah. Are we good? We're good. Are we? Yep. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm BJ Mendelson. You stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> oh, I love that. We need good finisher. Like yeah, yeah there nice. somewhere before. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on cannedairpodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Yeah. <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> you know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes.